0: Welcome, this talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org.
1: Yeah. So welcome to Insight LA, Long Beach, Sunday sit. And we're um, going to be chatting today, we're going to be, continue to go through uh, Zal lung Rinpoche's uh, wonderful manual on meditation in the Tibetan style. Like I mentioned last time, um, I've been waiting for a book like this for a really long time. Of course, when people are new to meditation, they're always asking you for like that starter book, saying, so, you know, "If I would get one book, you know, which one would I get?" And in the Tibetan style, as far as a progression of meditation practices. It was always very difficult to find one. Uh, but this one is wonderful. It's just a, a basic manual to go through from the very beginning all the way to an introduction to Dzogchen. And there's a couple of Sangha members that took it upon themselves to um, to practice these practices for a year because they're kind of, they're laid out in, in a way that that you could do that, you could take each practice, even though there's seven meditations and he gives like how many months to do each one. So I think that maybe might be fun to do next year. And I was able to chat with Venerable Tinzin Chogi. I met with her um, over the past weekend. And so she's very interested in coming down and doing some retreats next year here. So that would be really, really wonderful to get her down here and, and do some retreats. Um, using that as as kind of a, a base for us. So meditation, uh, the, the fourth meditation is is the Vipassana. Um, meditation. And of course it's in the Tibetan style, so they teach it a little bit different. There's some similarities, of course, but some differences as well. Um, they usually don't go really into the four foundations of mindfulness, which is... More the Theravada style, but actually I want to back up a little bit even before um, going into the actual meditation today, which is what are the obstacles to to vipassana? So vipassana is translated to insight, or the Tibetans like to use clear seeing, clear seeing to see clearly. Yeah. Why do we need to practice insight meditation in the first place? So what are the um, say what are the obstacles to, to insight in our daily life? So this clear scene, uh, the analogy that, that is used quite often is that it's like a window, but there's sediment, debris on, on the window. so it's obscuring our clear vision. So what is that? What is that obscuring the clear vision? in the first place?
2: Aversion?
1: Yeah, aversion. So I'm going to go over a few different types of aversion. That's basically it. Yeah? Um, yeah, that's that's the general... A plus. What's that again? A, a, plus. a plus. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: And we're done. That's it. That's, uh, aversion, we're out. We can just go back to sitting. Ego. Ego. That's another one. Mm-hmm. Indifference. Indifference. Yep. Yeah.
3: Monkey mind.
1: Crazy monkey mind. Greed. Greed.
2: Attachment.
1: Attachment. Mm-hmm. No. Doubt. Craving. Mm-hmm. Craving mind. what's that?
2: Depression or despair.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like the outcome, you know, of a lot of these, these, um, there's like gross obscurations, yeah, that come from craving, desire, mind, attachment, aversion. So I'm gonna go through a few which all of those kind of fit into, um, I'm going to go over aggression, non-aggression, symbolism, and suffering. So I'm going to look at these, uh, a few different things. <clears throat> and these are kind of umbrellas to um, the things that came up there. And also, and also there are progression, if we look at aggression, you know, not non-aggression. So one of the first steps to insight is non-aggression. And then we're we're going to look a little bit deeper into the symbolism. This is like when we start to get curious on what does this mean. And then we're going to look at at suffering. And this is a little bit more introspective. So aggression, non-aggression, as an obscuration, but also leading into insight. What does this mean? In this sense is that we have a very basic fundamental opposition to reality as it is. So we're fundamentally opposed to reality as it is. And this breeds aggression. And when aggression arises, there's no more opportunity for openness or insight. So I suffered from this. There's several times I come from inside LA. So I was up at inside LA yesterday. And then um, I know I've used this several times because I'm on the fro of five on Saturday. So I think it's not going to be, there's not going to be traffic. And of course there's traffic, you know. So there, here's this, this fundamental opposition to reality that this is exactly how it is. And it's not how I want it to be. Yeah, so I looked up aggression and it said the definition of an action or an act of attacking without being provoked. In no way was I provoked. Reality was there was traffic. Now, how I felt provoked was from my own. Opposition, my own aversion, my own conceptualization, the own, my own imputation, my own duality of life, my, the own, my own good and bad. Like, I created that. It was 100% mine. Reality just is, it was just hanging out. It is just as it was. It was no problem. But because of my basic kind of world view of it, and even the view within the object, subject of of myself and, and whatnot, all of this created that, was the ground for that, was the base for that. And then let's say with that opposition, if this aggression, I wanted to be this way, I want to mold it and shift it. With this with this aggression, now I can't see it. Now I can't see it for what it is. So the first way that we can step away from this is to impute you know, some sort of, of kindness on a relative level. You can see just with a little bit of kindness arising on a relative level can soften this a little bit. But this aggressive behavior of trying to go through and shift and change our life as it goes. So, think of how many times we do this a day. I mean, unless you're not like me. <laughs> I'm trying to change reality all the time. You know, at work, you know, I work at a, at a clinic. And so, patients are late all the time. This is, this is what happens. This is reality, right? Do I want them to be on time? All the time, (laughs) even though, even though, I I know going into the day, going into the week, I know there's going to be late patients. Hmm? But I'm provoked from my own attachment to wanting them to be on time. You see? And therefore, I cannot get clarity because I'm so stuck, I'm so caught, in this, I cannot get clarity that this is exactly how it is. Because I'm so caught up in all of that. Yeah, I can't see out of it. So the second piece <coughs> would be symbolism. So when we look at symbolism, we start to start to get curious. So this is the first step away from this opposition, aggressive mind. What we mean by this is that everything that we do has a meaning. Everything that we do. There's no such thing as mundane. It's the mundane that we actually want to see. Everything that we do has meaning. We want to look into the symbolism. Why, do I, why, do, why am I doing what I'm doing? Everything that we did this morning has a deep meaning to it. So instead of wanting it to be this certain way, we're looking into why is it the way that it is. So we're moving from trying to conquer reality to try to understand reality. This is looking into the symbolism. Moving from wanting to conquer it, change it, to wanting to understand it, to know it. Very important shift. So we're all wearing what we're wearing. Why? Did you think about why did you put on that shirt today? Maybe you did, yeah? This is actually... um, can cause a lot of distress. <laughs> what should I wear? Why do we say that? What should I wear? You know, it's because this is this is symbolism. Asking yourself, what should I wear is a very deep question. Because it gets into the sim, sim the symbolism of we're a symbol of ourselves, we're a caricature of ourselves. And so what should I wear is saying, how could I present the symbol of what I want to (laughs) be to others? So, I got a new um, dog recently, his name's Wolfie, he's super cute. (laughs) But I've been thinking of Krishna a lot because I was at Krishna's house a couple months ago maybe already and I was talking to him saying, um, we're thinking about getting a dog. And Krishna said, That's a lot of walks. (laughs) And I've been on a lot of walks already, all the time. And when I'm on a walk with Wolfie, Wolfie wants to do his own thing. And I want him to listen to me. And so, you know, I was thinking about this and this symbolism. It's really important to know why do I want him to listen to me. On one hand, I could, if I just become introspective, to see do I want to conquer Wolfie. Even even the mindset of, you know, I want the dog to listen to me. We could stop right there. We don't need to even go into that on some level. It's so mundane. Like, of course, everyone wants their dog to listen to them. We could just stop. So on the progression to insight is we want to look deep into this. Do I want to conquer, overpower my, my dog? Or is it out of compassion? I want him to listen to me so, I, so he doesn't run into the street and get hit by a car. So looking, looking into these different, different aspects of our life, into the very, very mundane aspects. Why do we brush our teeth? Why do you eat what you eat? All these little things, little aspects of our life. So there's nothing mundane. So getting very, very curious. So this is the symbolism aspect what does this mean there's a native american he was, was teaching his grandson and his grandson was saying that he only really gave one teaching the whole time he would come up to something point at it and he would say what this mean and he'd sit you down in front of it it could be a plant or flower anything and until he came back you weren't allowed to move you're supposed to figure out what does this mean it could just be this little thing. What does this mean? And so again, with, with inside meditation, we're moving inward. So this, this aggressive nature, its fabrication and story is very outside of ourselves. It's very made up. It's very story-like. Symbolism, what does this mean? Now this is, getting, this is getting much closer, this is getting much more real, right? What does this mean right here, right now? Now most of the symbolism, like why we do what we do, we can trace back to some sort of suffering. So this is, this, this is the third piece, some sort of suffering. And again, this is like the first noble truth type of dukkha suffering. So it's maybe not so um, gross or tangible suffering, but when we really look back into these different things, I remember a friend of mine, a childhood friend of mine, and he was that kind of friend that I would like to just go hang out with, and we didn't have to do anything. Just hanging out was enough, you know? But there comes a time, teenage years or something, when you have to do something. (laughs) Like, there's always that. Like, little kids could just go play. But then it's like, hey, what do you want to go do? And if there was nothing to do, suffering. (laughs) Right? But it's like this. Like, actually, we're fine. Like, right here, we're fine. There's nowhere to go, nothing to do. But this ignition of seeking happiness, seeking, craving, like, we need this and this and this and this, and then... So that... That momentum out... That causes... That is the... um, like I wrote a poem this last week it says, you know, be careful where you set the bar for happiness because everything beneath that is suffering so like this, if we as soon as we seek this pleasure or something outside, that sets the bar that sets, that's kind of the placement holder for suffering yeah, by that, by moving out like this So we could look into like, why do we go to the movies? Right? This is the symbolism. Why am I doing this? Why am I going to the movies? Why am I going to the restaurant? Why am I doing this? Now, if we look back, it it could be something super mundane and just saying, yeah, compassion for myself. I want to be happy. This is entertaining. And I'm doing it just out of pure nourishing and, and nurturing myself. Or we could see, you know, I don't want to sit with myself so I want to lose myself in a story. You see there's two different two different motivations there. So, looking at again, just kind of reiterating this kind of aggressive attitude of life, where we're trying to shift and change as we go through the day. Moving from that, a little bit more insightful. Moving into symbolism, why am I doing what am I, what I'm doing? then looking a little bit deeper to see if that symbolism, why am I doing it, is am I trying to move away from something? Usually trying to move away from sitting with ourselves, yeah? Am I trying to move away from that? And then if so, then moving into the practice. So this is kind of what gets us to into into the practice of just sitting and being like, we've all, the reason why we're all here is because we've all done this <laughs> and we've wanted to come into the practice of actually being with ourselves. There's some, obviously, or we'd all be at the movies or go, you know, out drinking beer, watching the nf watching the football games, which is, nothing's wrong with that either, but these things we have figured out Like I like to say, they're not sustainable and not reliable. So, insight meditation to see clearly. And what are we seeing clearly? What are we seeing is that we're okay as we are. Without doing anything, without grabbing anything, without changing reality, without conquering it, by understanding That we're we're okay already. So this is what the practice of, of insight affords us. It gives us the container, the opportunity to relax enough. To relax and actually to see clearly that we're okay as we are. That we're doing on time, <clears throat> so I'll kind of start into just, and maybe we could sit for a little bit, but um, into the second phase of that is how how does that unravel? How do we know that we're okay as we are? Is because those things that we weren't looking at, because we were busy controlling, trying to make everyone else uh, better <laughs> and uh, try to make all the patients come on time we were busy doing that you know we're not looking at that, that let's say in this case like the patient is not my problem of course my reaction to the patient is the problem yet that is empty upon arising. So, looking into the nature of what actually is stinging. So, this is this is a direction of Vipassana is what happens when we leave everything as it is? What happens when I don't touch it? What happens when I don't touch the anger that is arising? What happens when I don't touch it? One thing that happens when I don't touch it is that I... I'm able to investigate it. So more the Tibetan style, is to look very deeply into, let's say, anger. We look deeply and say, anger, how much does anger weigh? What texture is anger? What shape is anger? What color? Where is anger? Can we GPS it? and we Google Earth it. <laughs> Where does anger come from? Where is anger in the present? Where does it go? All of these things. So investigate the substantiality or the non-substantiality. So therefore, it's a whole different relationship. maybe sit for a few minutes Breathing in, I know that I am breathing in. Breathing out, I know that I am breathing out. Into the attitude of the meditation with non expectation, nothing to experience, nothing to achieve, nothing to understand, nothing to find, simply. Being with beingness, being with the experience of the present moment, and being with the experiencer of the present moment. into the moment with non-aggression letting everything to be as it is Aware of awareness and being curious, whatever is arising in the container of awareness, but not curious in an analytical way, not with thinking mind but more curious with attention. everything in, letting everything out, sensations of the body, sounds, thoughts, everything is support for your practice and opportunity to be aware And maybe noticing is this moment enough in all its richness, in all its dynamic nature? Is there a part of you that needs anything more? And what might that be? And why is that? Is there a part of you that could also find peace here? the other side of that need for something else. for a little discussion, if um, you don't know, mind maybe turning to a couple people, maybe no no groups larger than three, so, alright, um, anyone like to share with uh, the larger group what came up for them, sure, well I
3: think it was very interesting, we found it very interesting your definitions of things, right? I hadn't heard aggression used in that way before, symbolism used in that way before. And for me, like aggression, when you're, it, it denotes violence. That's how it, traditionally, yeah. In, and so it was interesting for me to hear it in a different way, which is just trying to shape, impose your will on, on reality, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, it just, um, it, there are times like when you're talking about your dog, it's like talking about toddler, <laughs> where, you know, mm-hmm. you're, examining and you're you're seeing why are you doing this right and sure there are the people that are like bullies and want to like dominate and all that but then there's that care so I think there's intention the intention is what's important with mm-hmm. the even the aggression aggression sounds so negative to my ears mm-hmm. um, but it's the intent that you bring to something and the softening that comes you know with your actions as a result of your intention mm-hmm. I mean accepting reality, the 405 is the 405 so yes. why am I getting upset about this? Right. right. Um, but I'm. Uh, anyway, I just thought it was interesting your definitions of. Yeah. All that.
1: Yeah, and you're absolutely absolutely right with in, with intention and and this is investigating our intention. Right. This is like how do we get to that point to so we could open up and have that choice of intention or that choice of changing our intention, yeah. and noticing our intention. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, Casey, I have a question. Sure. I guess I was wondering when you have moments of aggression where you do things, and then you realize that that was too aggressive. How do you get to that place where oh, I'm okay, everything's okay, and I just messed up and wasn't kind? Yeah,
1: Uh, you know. Usually, this is this is a two part. This is a two part thing. Um, You know. And again, more Tibetan, like shame is, is is good. They actually say like shame is good, like because it gets us to want to wanna shift and change. Now I would call that compassionate, compassionate shame. You know, in that sense that um, for yourself, because we um, you know we're we're not perfect. So we want to hold ourselves when we're investigating like this. It's important that we investigate our wrongdoings, and we and it's very important that we do so in a very compassionate, nurturing way. So the first part is to just say, I did wrong, and and to own that. And then, of course, out of that compassion for the freedom for your your own suffering, the suffering of others, and I'm going to work on on changing that. Yeah. And remember to bring in the, the wisdom and the compassion piece. The wisdom is... Everything's kind of happening as it is, just as it is, and I'm acting out of these, I don't know, past karmas or something like this, have that wisdom piece and that compassion piece, yes, but I cannot allow that to happen again, right, I cause myself or others suffering. Yeah. Well, um, you were reflecting a little bit about, I guess, what
0: is reality then, too, Um, and... Even the 405 example, you could say, well, there are many choices that are made to make the 405 a traffic disaster, including access to public transportation and choices about losing a lot of cars and not carpooling and things like that. So we kind of brought that to, um, if you fundamentally don't necessarily believe in the choices that exist, the choices have been made to create the reality that exists, which. Mm-hmm. gets it be political, it could be personal, it could be whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So climate change, for example, um, mm-hmm. there's compassion to advocating for leaving the world a better place, and there's also motivation that might be conflicting with others around that, which causes aggression and differences and in, in opinions. So I could come back and ask, well, what is reality? Mm-hmm. And we all have some say in that reality, mm-hmm. and if there's conflict in what has what's created reality, then you're living this duality of do I accept the reality, do I not? Mm-hmm. And then there's consequences to accepting reality, especially if you just let it go and say, well, I'm just going to sit with it and not have my aggression. So we sort of talked about mindful advocacy or mm-hmm. kind of that balance of. Mm-hmm. Saying you all have some role in a shared world and a shared reality, but you also can't necessarily get stuck in your own perseverative aggression about that reality and that tension. So, just be interested mm-hmm. to hear your reflection about
3: that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Accepting doesn't mean non-action, you know, or like um, the, the wisdom mm-hmm. of kind of the same same type of thing. So the the wisdom of this is we're interdependent and impermanent, um, mm-hmm. and things are empty. Like the, the phenomena is empty upon arising, so he's like, "What is reality?" And so that's the wisdom of all of that. And so knowing all that doesn't mean non-action. And we could we could act, but not out of aggression. We don't need to act out of aggression. You could act out of that compassion. So this is this is um, that that motivation. Are we reacting. There's no reason to carry you know aggression into that that energy when we want to help others and save the planet and you know all this stuff. That's just compassion-based. Um, actually, the root of everything really is, is compassion. Even if you if you have anger, let's say, I wanna get home, that's, I don't wanna suffer. So that's compassion for yourself, you know. Um, yeah, there's another piece in there that you guys are beginning saying, but I, I forgot. But, um, oh, I was saying that with the interdependence and there's all these different realities and all this stuff is that when we move into the most important one is our own reality. This is the one that we can control. We can, we can control the reaction of this kind of universal reality, if you will. So, this is the one that we want to work most with because we can't change the, the politics of how the 405 got that way, but I could definitely work with my reaction to that. Did
4: yeah. that help? I'm interested, in just in general, what the group has discovered. Being conscious of when these reactions come. I mean because I'm the autopilot most of the time I guess. I guess uh, it's uh, I mean I can see it sometimes when I'm, I'm reacting but um, most of the time I might see in retrospect or whatever but uh, things that kinda keep you mindful
1: You're saying, how, how do you become more mindful of what it Just be.
4: I mean, because I'll, a lot of things I'm, you know, having emotional or whatever, anger, whatever happens, um, um, I just, I move on, and it's, I don't really feel like I'm really learning that much in the process. I mean, so ways that we, ways that people have... I guess tools, mnemonics, or whatever people would have used to become more regularly mindful of these things as they're coming up, so goes more of a habit.
1: You mean just so, so you can investigate them in a in a deeper way, so they don't re, keep reappearing? Is that what
4: you're saying? Uh-huh. I mean, I guess
1: yeah. I mean, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, to me that um, I'll just answer it because I know you put it out there for the group, but when we only have a minute left, so. But um, part of that—that that symbolism piece of you know what does this mean? So it's like, all, all of this we can daydream our life away. We can sleepwalk our life away. So like you're saying that things come and they kind of pass and I kind of move on and don't really learn anything from it. So what I was mentioning about nothing's mundane. Nothing's mundane, like not a single pick you know why do we use a fork and not a spoon? Why do we do that? like nothing's mundane, so it's like if, if we if we look into into all of those things arising and it's just practice you know it's really practice this this wakefulness and awareness is is really practice to to get underneath it and to see why are we doing what we're doing um so I don't know. That might be that might be of some assistance, but it's very habitual, like this, kind of like dismissal of of the, of the mundane and we're wanting this peak experience. This is the peak experience. This is it, right here. This is the peak experience. Like there's no such thing. So, but you know that craving to jump out of the moment into something else, then we miss. You know we miss what's what's here. Um, and uh, Hopefully that's a, a little bit of a help. Maybe not. <laughs> He's like, nah. <laughs> um, maybe one, one more, though, because I don't want to respect anyone's time. Yeah.
2: I think this is the same thing. I think the question is really how to be available and bear witness rather than do a spiritual bypassing when you're reactive.
1: Yeah, that's, that's open honesty with yourself. I mean, do we know when we're spiritual bypassing? A spiritual bypassing Uh, is um, when you kind of turn into nihilism. When you're like one one way, there's a lot of different ways to spiritually bypass something, but it's like kind of more the ultimate view of reality. Like everything's perfect just as it is. So just look at this. You know everything's working out. There's good and evil, and like all, (laughs) all, like all is God and all is love. And so let it just play itself out. And so there's no, there's actually no doing something about it. So.
2: Oh, okay, I meant something kind of different. Then. Okay, Let yeah, me sure. just Because um, you know, it's easy to just deny and move on. I think what Rick said is something that we all do: is it we react in a moment and we just move on instead of the investigation part.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, being a, I mean, it's one of these things we probably all know, but it's very difficult to do. Yeah. So the real work is: how do I grab that? This is what I'm bringing to it. Yeah. so that I can learn from it, rather than just letting the moment pass and, and basically not really investigating it and learning from it.
1: Yeah, and another, maybe this is more of the spiritual path pass, another one we get where, we're talking about non-grasping mind, and so you're letting everything come and go, like in meditation or whatnot, so you're like, okay, let this emotion come and go, and let it go, you know. But actually, the investi- investigation of our, Thoughts, emotions, and body sensations, you know, when we really get into um, into the meat of it and also into that sitting with it, sitting in that motivation so that um, what we're letting go of doesn't mean that there's so much more to, and, uh, to, to look at. So letting go of an emotion, like letting that come and go. Um, and just what
2: you're watching it. That's what I'm saying. You, yeah, you're, you, you you're, need you're, to watch. That's the bearing witnesses. Yeah, of course. Gl- yeah, really, really lit- very
1: full. So I think that when we actually stop looking is when that investigation turns off, right? When we're like move on. Um, if you're moving on from but that's there's no problem also. It's like, you know, we don't need to find something that's not there. And that's another thing is that there's always this notion that we're continue to be broken. <laughs> like, something must be wrong. You know, but if something if something moves on, then then let it move on. Yeah, maybe I'm misunderstanding a little bit, but
4: Well, there's a notion kind of in psychology that you need to sort of grab that little morsel of wisdom and chew on it until you.
2: No, actually, I'm not. I I mean that's not what I was getting at. It's just pay attention to it. I'm not talking about an investigation like you go out and do a research project or spend the next ten minutes, <laughs> right, you know, yeah. ta- taking it apart. But that's okay. Yeah.
3: What comes up for me is just a pause, you yeah. know, acknowledging kind of my internal reaction or my urge or response or whatever, and pause, and then turn in and notice. So
2: yeah. Oh, this is what this is, kind of moment, seeing it rather than
1: avoiding it. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's all. That's what we're talking about. Just yeah. being with it. Yeah. 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 For sure. Okay. Maybe let's just sit for a moment. Just taking all the wisdom, compassion, love, insights, all the merit that we've accumulated together during this time, thinking of all beings everywhere, all of our brothers and sisters. In all forms, all sentient beings in the animal realm, human realm. May we dedicate the merit to them. All the beings that could not be here today. We're all interconnected. May somehow, some way they all feel love and compassion and wisdom. May all beings everywhere, without exception, be happy. And free from suffering. Om oh, mani padme hum.
0: Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org.